Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome in to Sox on Tap. Sunday, fun day. A little three-way action on the Sunday afternoon. Johnny Nani here, Tony Marchese, and NWI Steve joining me. Gentlemen, it was a weak week for the White Sox, uh, despite a little bit, a couple of highlights in there. Uh, overall, rough stuff, man. Hey, yo, boys. Um, definitely was a very disappointing week. Obviously, you were coming into this. You had some positive momentum on a six-game winning streak, and then... Things happened uh, on Monday. Everything went awry, and it was kind of just a downward spiral from the rest of uh, the week there. Just going to drink this away. That's all you can do at this point. I mean, we, we, I will say it, it was a week filled with uh, lots lots of those beverages. Unfortunately, most of the misery variety, but we had at least we had some victory ones on Saturday night, Steve. Uh, those were those were some good times. We, 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 had a couple, we had a couple two three, thanks yeah. to our uh, buddy Sockside Mike, who you know, we see is on the broadcast here tonight again. So yeah, Mike, once again, go. we just want to give you a big thanks for yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. So look at that. Yeah, Mike's in the comments here. Cheers, boys. But I'm tired of these misery beers. Yeah, we are. We're, we're tired of, uh, you know, uh, mandating them here too, but you got to do what you got to do to get through. So uh, that's where we're at. Thanks again. Sockside Mike, great time in the scout seats last night. Tony, you were there too. Uh, let's, you know, we can start with something a little fun. How, how was your experience? It was a great ball game, guys. Uh, you know, uh, the traffic getting into the park was a, a little bit of a debacle, uh, so to speak. Um, I know you guys took the train up, which was probably the right move uh, for you guys. But uh, spent the night in club level with the wife. Got to watch the White Sox beat the Yankees on a Tim Anderson bobblehead night. Had a little bit of shades of like that Field of Dreams came kind of feel, Steve. I don't know how, how you feel about it. Definitely different setting and scenario and, and tone of the game altogether, but uh, it had a little back, a bit of back and forth. It was good baseball to watch. Uh, there was a lot of people in my comments and mentions and just my text messages like you, Steve, who said this team was going to get swept. They, they pulled one out. I said they were going to pull one out. Maybe just took all the boys being there in the park, bringing those good positive vibes, the good juju buzz talks about maybe the beers were just flowing from us to them and, and they had a good, good game, but you know, it was a fun time. It's always good to get out there to the ballpark, and it's it's better when you beat good baseball teams. You just walk away feeling a lot better about your baseball team. Now, the the grand scheme stretch of things, there's a lot of work for this White Sox team to do, but it, last night was fun. It was fun. Came home, watched that game again for the second time because I just couldn't get enough of it, and then I watched the Field of Dreams game, and I passed out about 4.30 this morning, um, and uh, it was a good time. Yeah, it made for a good Saturday. But as you said, Tony, uh, there is a lot, you know, uh, to to dive into here. uh, And we're going to get on that. And I think uh, what's evident, we'd start a little bit today's ballgame that, you know, um, only give up two hits, but you end up losing the game uh, five to one. And it just goes to show you can't be walking guys. We walk too many guys and then we don't take enough walks ourselves, boys. Elaborate. Biggest thing for Michael Kopech today, went out there that first inning. That's really been a bugaboo for him through 
the first six weeks of this season here. Got through that on 10 pitches. You're feeling good about that. Second inning goes out there, gets two quick outs again, and you're thinking, okay, he's got it rolling here today. Gets a good, solid, quality lineup. Aaron Boone went out there, was going for the jugular, playing all the regulars here today, and Kopech was looking sharp. And then all of a sudden, like that, it just went away. The fastball command completely disappeared on him. Had four walks in that second inning, a wild pitch that ultimately led to three runs. You just, you cannot do that. We've seen this too often. Johnny, you just alluded to this. The biggest issue that I see with this team is they keep just giving free base runners to the opposition. And when you yourself are not having enough base runners out there and you're not capitalizing yourself when you get those base runners on, when you have guys in scoring position, you can't continue to give guys extra outs and free base runners here because it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. And we saw that here today. You know, I've got a comment in here from Sockside, Mike, again, uh, how do you lose the easiest game of the series? How I'll, I'll tell you how you lose a, a game again, the, the easiest game doesn't, doesn't matter. The the Yankees are one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best team in baseball. I said this it, it, to, to you guys the other day, in order to beat the Yankees, you have to play pristine baseball. You have to you have to be able to work all facets of the game. It's not just the pitching. It's not just the defense. It's not just the offense. There's plenty of fingers to point to go around. But when you want to play with the best, you have to play pristine. And you can't. It's very hard to do that consistently. The White Sox right now, we know it. They're not the complete package. They don't have all facets of their game working. And it's very evident when a team doesn't have all of them working. And it's really evident when a team does because you can see just up and down the Yankees lineup, all these guys hitting close to 300. The pitching staff. The other night, first game of this series, I think we were talking about how, you know, is there any chance that we can do any damage off the Yankees bullpen? You go look at the Yankees bullpen, you just look at all these stats and it's like, there's not really anything there to work against or hope. So you have to make magic happen. You have to play pristine baseball like they did last night and make something like that work because even that was a struggle to get through. That's what a really, really good baseball team's going to do to a good baseball team or a bad baseball team. They're going to have to make them work in order to be beaten. And that's what exactly what you saw in, in almost every game this series. The Sox just didn't have all facets of the game working the same way that the Yankees did. That's, you know, chalk it up. But if you want to go back to Michael Kopech for a second, I, I'm looking at this start today and I'm thinking about Dylan Cease of a few, like the last few years, the one inning where the control just gets lost. And then he comes back and rattles off a few. Luckily, you know, it didn't get too out of hand. But Michael Kopech is going to have to go through those same developmental phases as a guy like Dylan Cease did, or even Lucas Giolito when he was the worst pitch. Like people are going to touch him up. There's going to start to be a scouting report on this guy. There already is. So you're going to have to have, again, the other parts of your, your team, offense, defense, working behind you in order to overcome those blips. They're going to happen. Yeah. The worst thing about that for me is just doing it to himself. It wasn't like they, you know, just uh, completely had a barrage of hits uh, in that second inning there uh, when they scored those runs. But Tony, you gave a good overview there um, of how, you lose, uh, you know, a game like that is 
supposedly easiest game of the series. But I want to let's start diving into these areas specifically. Let's talk offense. And here's the comment, the stat that's been going around today, the alarming one that the Sox have now dropped below the Reds in total team OPS. And this is a top to bottom thing. I mean, right now, honestly, you know, he's only been back like under a week, but I think Joan Mikata is like the best hitter on the team right now, at least right now (laughs) when we're talking about this here. It's bad. Let's air out some of these struggles, guys. It all comes down to this team lacks an offensive identity. They lack a clear, cohesive offensive approach. They go up there, the overwhelming majority of the guys in this lineup on a day-in and day-out basis, you're looking at six, seven guys that as long as the ball leaves the pitcher's hand and makes it on a fly, 60 feet, six inches, they're swinging. How many at-bats this week did Josh Harrison give away where pitchers were trying to give him a free base and he flat-out refused to take ball four? It it just it is it's exhausting to watch. Before Moncada hit the three-run homer on Thursday night when Timmy was up there, everyone knows I love TA. I'm, I'm a big TA guy. At this point in his career, he's not going to be a guy that's going to develop plate discipline. That's just not who he is. He's aggressive in the batter's box. But he got to that 3-1 count, and he's swinging out of his shoes at pitches that are nowhere near the strike zone. They're trying to put him on base, and this team just refuses to take walks and take free base runners. That's that's a big part of the issue here. And the fact of the matter is, if you're not going to hit the ball out of the ballpark, you need to find ways to have more base runners out there because they're not slugging at all. This team, they're a very good base running team. They're very sound in terms of going first to third, second to home. They've got the highest stolen base efficiency in the league right now. But you can't steal first base. So at some point here, something has to give where this team is going to say, hey, We're going to start taking some pitches. We've got to start working counts better, and we've got to start taking walks. If that means Josh Harrison has to go away and you bring up Yolbert Sanchez, who is walking at like a 10, 11% clip in Charlotte, then you have to do it. You've got to do something here because this is very problematic at this point. We have enough of the sample size here at this juncture to say this team does not have plate discipline. They've got to change something up to fix it. I mean, it's 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 kind of just weird to look at this. You know, the, you brought up that stat, Johnny, that we just had. Uh, uh, I forget who uh, who dropped it in the comments, but yes, we've seen it. We've all seen it on Twitter. Um, it it it's it's wild to me. It's absolutely wild to me that this team, with the players on this roster, cannot put together just games where they're winning by more than a run or two. You know, we, we there's just so many different oddities that you've seen it's it almost as reminiscent as a whole team of what you saw from Yasmani Grandal last year at the plate where it's like he's getting on base and walking but he can't hit the ball it, 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 there's just so many things that become so frustrating when you focus in and hone in on on each individual little bad stat um to me a lot of this is is again it goes back to what Steve said it's it's the the complete approach like where are you at with that but i go and i look up and down the roster and Steve just Back on that same comment, you have the same type of hitter almost up and down through the lineup in your power guys, especially Eloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu, Luis Robert. The, the, the playbook on this is throw outside sliders in the dirt and you're going to get guys to chase stuff. The fact that that hasn't been solved yet is just going to continuously lead to problems 
in plate approach and just offensive situation. That's that's exactly why you see bases loaded all the time and nobody crossing the plate is because every team in the league knows exactly where to go to for those spots in the lineup. And there's very few guys who are going to come through and be dangerous. And the number one guy who should be isn't fucking doing it. He's not doing it at all. And I'll turn it over to Johnny. Yeah, I've been talking to Jose Abreu here. Uh, when you want to dive into struggles, you could we could do a whole segment on Yasmani Grandal too. I love the guy, but man, um, not I don't think the legs are completely under him like you saw uh, when he could not hit very much at the beginning of last season. I feel like we're seeing that, and obviously you're seeing it in the usage. He's not catching all the time. Uh, he's taking had a few days off, um, so that, that doesn't bode well there. But when we're talking to Jose Abreu here, man. Um, Tony, I said to you guys, I'm kind of like tired of the shtick. I'm tired of the, uh, you know, oh, I have to play every day. And then I'm tired of the, uh, at this point now, it's, oh, I'm going to resign myself because Andrew Vaughn's the future at first base. Let's not, let's not lose sight of that. That's, th- those are just cold, hard facts only right there. But, uh, and I know Jose Abreu can be productive. Shit, he won an MVP, granted, shortened season there, but we know he can, but you can't wait until those warmer weather months. That's what people say. Oh, well, Jose Abreu is going to be fine when it comes to July, August, whatever. Well, are Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge waiting until July, August to heat up? No, we need that right now. He needs to be a leader on this team because he is, in terms of a clubhouse leader, he needs to lead by example on the field now. What do you do with him right now, Johnny? That's that's the biggest question. I would, I would love to give him a day off or two. I know you got a tough stretch here coming up with you know a weird week ahead with a doubleheader and five games in Kansas City, but I would like to see him have a day off, maybe two. Shit. I know it's out of his you know vocabulary, but that's what I well, I, I would think that Tony LaRusa, probably given his pedigree and as long as he has been in a major league dugout he shouldn't have an issue calling Jose Abreu's mom and telling her that his baby boy is uh, taking the day off because he needs to get his head out of his ass. You know, Ricky might've been too intimidated. He might not have had the clout to be able to do that, but Tony LaRusso likes to talk all the time about the world series rings. Tell Jose Abreu's mom, Hey, I got three rings. Your boy sitting his ass on the bench here. He needs to get right. Well, and Steve, I'll, I'll go here because, you know, just you want to say it does Tony LaRusso have the problem with it. There's I don't think Tony LaRusso has a problem telling some Jose Abreu's mom to shut her mouth. I think a lot of this comes from Jose Abreu himself and, and where he that sits he's, in this that, organization. That, 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 and if Tony you want to go back, Tony LaRusso would have to tell that to Jerry Reinsdorf. Jerry Reinsdorf is Jose Abreu's mom in this situation. That's where that's that's the real problem. Then Tony LaRusso needs to tell his buddy that, hey, I'm making the fucking call here. He's sitting. Period. He needs, paragraph. Go, he needs to go Tony Soprano. I'm the motherfucking fucking one who calls the shots. <laughs> yes. Exactly. He he yeah. is, he is the number one baseball guy in this organization. When he was hired, he usurped Kenny Williams. He usurped Rick Hahn. He took their power. He cut their nuts off. So <laughs> he's calling the shots at this point. If he thinks Jose Abreu needs to take the day off, then fucking Jose Abreu needs to take the day off. Yeah, I know. That, that all goes to whether or not Tony LaRusso thinks that Jose needs a day off or not. That's if, if he, I, do, I if, he, if, he if he if he doesn't, can you? Do you I, know don't know what, I don't know what he's looking at here. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that's it. it. You got you got to be able to realize. It. And the thing is, we here's because we want it fixed. We need him. It, the White Sox need this guy. They need his bat to get going. Obviously, we all know that. But. We've tried the play through it. We've tried the, oh, I'm going to be the everyday of the competitor here. Just so try a different approach now. If you do the same thing over and over again, it doesn't work and do it again. That's insanity, right? If so, I see him playing both games of the doubleheader, 
yeah, that's like, come on, like at least I, I will tell you this. To, I've got you know. some real concerns about what we're going to see lineup wise in yeah, Kansas we, City, especially uh, on doubleheader Tuesday there. I, I could be in for a real, real long day at the K. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Steve, Steve's going out there for uh, this uh, adventure, this five game. I will, I will be in Barbecue City tomorrow afternoon. Oh, man. We'll, we'll get to a little bit of preview uh, later in the show. Let's we'll, we'll continue on some struggles here. I, I, you know, what frustrates me, guys, is that when you look at the talent, all these names in the lineup and you got Andrew Vaughn, when you got Jose Abreu, theoretically, um, you know, you got Yohan Mankata, Luis Robert. These are names that should be bashing the ball and we should be one of the most potent offenses in the league. Like we saw for a very, very small taste early in the season. You're absolutely right. They should be. They should be a team that is near the top of the league in terms of runs scored. They should be near the top of the league in terms of home runs. As of right now, I literally just looked. They're tied for 18th in the league in home runs with 29. Or or actually, no, it would be at 30 here, counting uh, Adam Engel's homer today. That's too low. I talk about this, and I've been talking about this for almost 20 years now. This team needs to hit home runs in this ballpark. Hit 200 home runs, you win the division. It's that simple. They're not team go far. Hashtag confirmed. So what did we see this weekend? The Yankees beating the living shit out of the baseball, hitting home runs, winning baseball games. It works. You look at the numbers league-wide. When you out-homer your opponent, you win 75% of the time. Stop hitting the fucking ball on the ground. Elevate and celebrate. It's really simple. I love that. Steve, I, I don't know if it's, it's I don't know if it's that simple right now because you you see what's happening with some of these hitters just putting balls to the warning track. And I, I I refuse to accept that, like just continuing to do that, like outside of Jose Abreu, I've seen plenty of, plenty of fly balls that go to the outfield that are of the routine variety. There are very few base hits available league wide on the ground today. That's just an absolute fact. Start beating the shift. Then start focusing on beating the shift then to get on base there. You got to start to, you got to start to do something different. If you're not going to be able to leave the ballpark, (laughs) walk more, more. do some of this other stuff. But I I just, I kind of refuse to believe at this point that like all of a sudden we're just going to start leaving the yard more in the current conditions. Just right now, you got to try to continue to do it. But if if yeah, that, that just if that if that's but, the approach right now, if the approach but, right now is try and hit home runs, then they're failing miserably at it. Like, yeah. it, and I feel like that's what the approach is. And some guys just are getting on top of stuff too much at bat, to at bat, maybe not feeling it at the plate right now. But if I, I feel like they came into this season trying to do exactly what Steve said, even though Frank Manichino wants to say fuck the home run, hit a single, all these guys are going up to the plate trying to hit a homer. Every single time I see no, Yasmani Grandal at bat, he's trying to hit a homer or walk. That's all he's trying to do. Well, he's a three outcome guy, but uh, Tony brought up approach here, approach and whatever your approach may be here. There's one guy that is at least onus can fall back on. And this has been a widely debated topic and it's Frank Minichino. Um, what, what are you guys thoughts? Where do you, are you in the camp of like now after you see something like that, the, the socks drop below the reds, the pitiful reds uh, in total OPS uh, as a team. When you see stuff like that, are you in the fire Minichino camp? I'm personally not in that camp. I think he might end up being the sacrificial lamb if this thing continues to go down the path that it's going. I don't know if you guys saw, I want to say it's about two weeks ago, there's an article from James Fegan over at The Athletic where he 
interviewed Minnick, you know, and he actually got some new quotes from him saying that this team needed to take more walks, that they needed to take pitches and stop swinging at every fucking pitch that goes up there. So he's saying the right things publicly. I'm curious to see if that how that message is getting conveyed in the hitters meetings yeah. um, in, in the clubhouse when they're doing their their pregame cage work. But Johnny, you, you talked about this at the outset. There's too many of the same guy. Yeah, there, that's that's what this comes down to. You contrast that with the Yankees. The Yankees have a lot of the same guy, but that same guy that they have a lot of is a guy that will take pitches, is not afraid to have an at-bat where they get two strikes on them. They don't care. They don't care. They will work pitchers to death. They grind this thing down. That's why we saw three out of the four games in this series were close to four hours. I mean, today might have been the fastest game in New York Yankee baseball history, the fact that it was you know a two-and-a-half-hour game. But that is an anomaly. That is far from the norm with that team because they go out there and they just grind you to death. And there is a reason why they have consistently been one of the top offenses and a perennial playoff team for going on three decades here. We All right, so we need some drastic measures to fix this. And you're talking about, okay, I, I like that because honestly, I did not see that Fegan one. So thanks for bringing it up about the Frank Menachino interview. But what we need is shot collars, guys. Not to cheat, not to steal signs, but when a guy's going to go and swing at some bullshit, Frank needs the uh, uh, the buzzer in the dugout. And, and then shot Jose Bray when he's going to go and chase that slider alone outside. I think that's what we need. We need some drastic measures. You know, I don't know what to do to fix this, Johnny, but uh, that seems like an appropriate start. I I don't know. It's it's just for the Manichino stuff. I didn't see the article either, Steve. I appreciate you bringing uh, that to the table here because I didn't see it either. Um, You know, with that new information in mind, I, you know, I kind of feel the same way you do. He might end up being the sacrificial lamb if this thing doesn't turn itself around because you need something different. You need a different voice. You need something here, I don't think that this is full system failure. You've seen this team have the ability to go put together a bunch of runs, not win a ball game. You've seen this team be able to win close ball games. They have the ability to do the things that we're talking about. They're just not putting it together consistently enough, and I don't know where that is. That's that that, that it seems more mental to me right now than anything. Right, because like I said, go and look at the names in the lineup. They're talented. They're a talented group. No doubt. I don't think anybody can dispute that. You can maybe be mad about certain uh, lack of acquisitions and certain positions, whatever. But top to bottom, most of those guys are damn talented. So I agree, Tony, that it could be a mental sort of issue here and approach related. And I'll also I'll also interject with this. My my biggest problem with the 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 lineup or just you know guys uh, in it at, at this juncture is the back half of this thing with Josh Harrison. You can potentially lump Adam Engel into this group. I think he's probably the upper echelon of it and, and well, so- working on getting a lot more playing time at the home run today. Yeah, he's been very, he's been very good um, in terms of what you can expect to get out of Adam Engel. Um, Reese McGuire is public enemy number one on my list right now. AJ Pollock, very streaky guy. When you've got a, when you got a very streaky guy, and then a guy who probably shouldn't be having as many at bats at the major league level in Reese McGuire as he's getting right now. And then if the the rumors are true for the reasoning that you're seeing Reese McGuire means that you don't have a fully healthy Asmani Grandal in your lineup. So you can add him to this list. You start to add up the automatic outs here. The guys who are going to be hitting 100, 200 instead of closer to 300. 
and it's all of a sudden becomes really fucking hard to win a ball game against anybody who's good or anybody or any team that's got guys that are on hot streaks because there's too many automatic outs. That's why when you went yeah, out and but- you got Yasmani Grandal for the contract that you signed him to, I wanted his ass fucking behind the plate, almost 162 or, 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 or at the very least in the DH spot or at first base. In the lineup every day because his his bat and his plate approach, which Steve talked about, is so goddamn important to this team. Because when he's not in the lineup and you're getting Reese McGuire, like, okay, well, that's a big problem for this team right now. You need those guys to be able to perform when you have World Series aspirations. Let's bring in a career 195 guy because he's got good – no. I want him to be the defensive replacement once or twice a week to give Yaz a break and let him go play first base or DH or the, you know, every other week off day. You want to have the, you want to have the best lineup. You got to be able to work around it right now. I've seen too many games where you got both those guys in the lineup. One of them's obviously not, not as healthy as he should be. And the other one's a terrible hitter. Yeah. Reese is bad. Tony, I think what you talked about with too many automatic outs, there's too many guys that are right now that shouldn't be like, come on, Jose Bray should not be an automatic out. This, this is where it really, and I think, yes, it's, you can go and, you know, dissect that and be frustrated with Reese McGuire. I think all of us are, um, and rightfully so, or Josh Harrison, but those hurt less if your other guys that shouldn't be automatic outs are actually performing up to their, you know, standard and what we know we can get out of them. There are three teams in this league that have an on-base percentage lower than the Sox. Oakland, Texas, and Kansas City. That's not encouraging right there. You look at it from a slugging standpoint, this team is slugging 328 as a team. 328, playing at the ballpark at 35th and Shields. The only two teams with a worse slugging percentage than the Sox are Oakland and Detroit. That cannot happen. There is simply no excuse for that. Can't continue. That's, that's, I think, you know, going to Kansas City. Hopefully, you know, it's so weird though, because we said you're like, we're like trying to figure out answers for this thing. It's like, oh, the weather warming up. Hopefully that would have helped some lift on some balls. And okay, we saw a few leave the yard here today, but obviously not as many as the Yankees um, over this past week. And then with the Guardians too, Josh Naylor, fuck him. Uh, (laughs) But, you need that to turn around and it's like, Oh, going to Kansas city. Can this be a thing? Because you know, it's always pretty damn sticky and hot down there a uh, place where the ball can travel. Well, that should have been the case here back at home with the nice weather. Uh, Cause it is a launching pad. GRF is, uh, I don't know guys. It's, uh, it's, it's gotta come from uh, within with just so, some soul searching, hopefully on that uh, flight out to Kansas city. Somebody has to, in that clubhouse, I don't, I don't know if they've got to flip a table or what somebody in there has to say enough is enough. We got to get this shit together. Now there's what are they? 16 and 17. You know, they're three games back of Minnesota. Everybody wants to keep talking and saying that, you know, it's, it's fine. It's May 15th. They're in the midst of this schedule here. I've talked about this at length over the last couple of weeks here. Things are ramping up now. This is the time where they cannot afford to allow this malaise that they're going through here. And I know they had that six-game winning streak. I know they won eight out of ten. But even when they were winning games, the quality of play was not crisp. We can dan- There's no dancing around this. That's just plain and simple. 
there are so many different areas that this team needs to clean up. But if you look at it from just an offensive perspective here, something has to change. Somebody has to go out there and hashtag set the tone. And it can't just be Timmy all the time. You need these AJ Pollock's got to get his head out of his ass here. You know, Molly Knight, who covers the Dodgers, she talked about this back in early April, said that AJ Pollock was going to be terrible during the month of April because he he always is. And Sox fans were going to be talking about wanting to DFA him, saying, oh, they made a terrible trade. And then by May, people in Bridgeport would be naming their dog Pollock because he would go on one of these crazy hot streaks. Well, guess what? This week would be a great time for that. Um, they just, this offense, you got to figure out, you got to find a way. I don't know what the answer is. Again, I don't think it's firing Frank Manichino, but something's got to give here. Yeah, I, I'm not I, going. I don't know. We uh, got away from that question, but I don't think I'm in that camp either there. It's Steve. I don't know. I don't think that is the answer at this point. Maybe down the road, if it does really continue, like you said, someone's got to fall on the sword. Um, but I would like Yohan Mankata too. I know he doesn't he doesn't speak a whole, whole lot of English, but I would like him to rally the boys and do something like that. I know he's not a huge vocal leader, but man, he could share a thing or two about plate discipline, I think. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And just go let these guys know, hey, you can take a pitch. Th- this team, honestly, they're not striking out a lot. So up and down the line, they've actually got better bat-to-ball skills than I think a lot of people are giving them credit for. So if you go out there and if you, ta- if you take a pitch, if you take an 0-1, it's I'll, not I'll, the end of the world. I'll say something about that, Steve. The bat-to-ball skills are, are, are fine, but you know what it's leading to? It's leading to Brown opposing balls. pitchers. It's leading to opposing pitchers getting through innings real fucking quick. Because it's they leading to having them to have, take pitches. Yeah, and that's – it's so hard, though, because I don't – you don't really want to take the aggression away or the, just the aggressive attitude from some of these hitters away if that's what they're the most comfortable with. But there's got to be a happy balance in between these two things – where you're not afraid to be in a, a one-two count before you find your pitch and have somebody throw you three pitches. Or instead of swinging at the first slider in the dirt and the second slider in the dirt, you let those things go. It, it, maybe it's just better eyes. You know, Reynaldo Lopez it should be the spokesperson for eye doctor visits for the rest of the team and maybe the hitters. I don't know. Get them, get them Raylo's guy. And, and stop swinging at sliders in the dirt. Do so you want we, drastic measures, Johnny? That's yeah, what I'm, that's, that's what yeah, I'm so, preaching right here. That's so think outside the box. So for ours, we've got shot collar, LASIK uh, for most of the guys in the lineup. And anything else, anything else drastic that they can do here? Because, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say at this point. You got any drastic measures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, <laughs> what I, do I, you got? I got, I got a drastic measure for the guys on the team that aren't married. Go out there and find a fucking slump buster when you're I was going to. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I was going to say they could read Jose Canseco's book and they'll talk all about <laughs> slump busting. I mean, I mean, that's it. Okay. All Drastic right. measures. All right. So you can't say, you know, we're sure we're speculating a lot here and stuff, but uh, you won't know until you try, right? <laughs> it's only crazy if it doesn't work. Yeah, that's right. Yes. But one of my favorite lines. It is. It's only crazy if it doesn't work. Um, guys, you want to uh, look ahead here a little bit. Um, it's going to be a uncertain week, at least on the pitching side, with Lucas Giolito uh, still on COVID IL as of uh, you know 
we know right now. Who knows? That could, that may change uh, tomorrow. Who knows uh, if they announce something before the game. But it's five games in Kansas City, Steve. I know you're going to be out there. Uh, we got a doubleheader on Tuesday, uh, presumably. Johnny Cueto uh, will be in for one of those. Obviously not hashtag confirmed yet, but that seems to be the direction we're trending in here. And you cannot uh, cough up any of these games. Honestly, it's like I'm at the point right now. It's like I want a five-game sweep. Whereas usually in like a normal circumstance, I'd be like, oh, four would be you know great and three I could deal with. But I'm like, I don't know about you guys. That's how I want. I want a five-game sweep. I find it very hard to fathom a circumstance where they can go in there and win five games in Kauffman Stadium, just given the trouble that they have had there for the last decade plus. And from my standpoint, they just got to go out there and they just got to win the series. Get three out of the five games here. I have no confidence that this team can get more than that right now given the challenges that are happening and like you mentioned johnny the uncertainty on the pitching front of this one other thing too and anthony if uh one of your followers on twitter.com um the hall of fame baseball person mr tony la russa if you're watching this broadcast and why wouldn't you be while you're on the plane please for the love of god do not under any circumstances play gavin sheets or andrew vaughn in the outfield in kansas city there is too much space out there too much can go wrong. Use your real outfielders. H- have Adam Angle, have Larry Garcia, have AJ Pollock out there. Do not put the first baseman in those corner spots in that ballpark. That is a disaster waiting to happen. You know, I- I'm I'm not going to go into the you know the where to where to position guides for this the lineup everything outside of I'd like to see. Jose Abreu get a little bit of a break in this series and and maybe Steve, we can couple this together. And if Tony's watching for some reason uh, on the Twitters right now, um, you know, maybe it's a good, you know, give Andrew Vaughn first base. Although Andrew Vaughn got first base today, but I liked seeing that give sheets a day at, at first base too. maybe give Jose another game in DH and the other game in, you know, the bench. So we can sit down and talk to Eli for an entire game. And maybe those two could, you know, maybe Eloy could cheer Jose up a little bit and get him going. Who who knows what I want to see this team do is win this series. That's the most important thing. Just like you said, Steve, they have to win this series against KC. They haven't been taking care of business in the division, which is something we talk about a lot here. This is a, a, a big series for them to write the ship. It's kind of a soft spot in that schedule that Steve was talking about where you can go do that. However, we know as White Sox fans, every single time we take a trip down to KC or KC comes visits us, they play us hard. They play us well. They're normally ready to go. And nothing is, is a real given here. This is going to be, Johnny, in a, in a real weird sense here. It's like almost a trap game while you're on a losing streak or a trap series while you're kind of not playing your best baseball. That foot can potentially come off the gas when you see Kansas, when you roll into Kansas city after just having to deal with the Yankees, you can't do that. It's not the time to take the foot off any gas. In fact, you need to be pushing down harder just to get through this one. I want to see a response. I want to see the offense working. We haven't really talked a lot about the pitching and what's going to go on in this series. And I'm really looking forward to doing that, but I think you need to take three out of five here. Otherwise this show by this time next week, is going to be just an absolute bloodbath. 
Yeah, absolutely. Tony, you said you want to get into pitching here. Uh, let's talk it. Obviously, the uncertainty with Lucas Giolito. Um, what happens if he's not able to go tomorrow? What do you guys think? I think in that circumstance, if he can't go, you're going to be looking at a a bullpen game. Maybe they go Matt Foster as an opener. That's a role we saw him in a couple of times during the 2020 pandemic year. Maybe they go that path. Maybe you see Tanner Banks take a start in there. They're, they're short bullpen-wise right now. I, I don't know what the other alternative is unless um, you see a phantom DL stint from somebody. And I will not be surprised if after this series is over on Thursday, somebody ends up, you know, with a 15 day DL stint or someone ends up getting option down to the minors or DFA would because they're going to need another arm come next weekend in Yankee stadium, given these five games in four days. So how they're going to maneuver this, I have no idea. That's why the uncertainty surrounding Lucas Giolito is so devastating right now. When was when was the last usage for Foster? Because that was something that I was Friday. I night. think that was Friday. Friday night. Yeah, it was. It, I was kind of interested to see the usage there. If you're talking about him being the opener, because I believe we were just on these airwaves talking about who is good. Who's that guy? that's your your long man in this bullpen and we we said you know the only one who's really there and comfortable was Reynaldo Lopez just today we're talking tomorrow things can get ugly there quick yeah I'm I'm just intrigued to see I could honestly I think Foster could be an option if you want a lefty Tanner Banks uh, I know they've alluded to that too and he did uh for a while in the minor start um before becoming a reliever last year uh for the Knights so I'm intrigued. Uh, and other than that, guys, we, we go into the double header. Obviously, you get the you're allotted the extra spot, so no decision needs to be made on the spot there. If Cueto joins, um, you can use him as the extra spot. But I'm assuming you want him with the club. Then will so people be who, mad online if if it's Lambert, not Cueto? Yeah, probably. Well, the other thing too is I believe today is Cueto's opt out day. Yeah, there's some decisions that they're gonna have to make. So, so you've got to assure you've got to assure well, you've got to make some assurances. And and, and, that, and and so and so this is where the the other thing now that I'm thinking about this, it almost makes you wonder if we see the roster move where Cueto, where it's announced that Cueto is is brought up, and then Tanner Banks is optioned down to Charlotte, but then is on the team flight as the 26th man for Tuesday. If you're trying to get crafty, Steve, there's something like that that's going to happen. Like, you, you have to be able to play this out the right way. There's also a change coming up here soon, too, where teams are going to be limited down to, I believe it is, 13 pitchers. And right mm-hmm. now they're able to carry 14. It could be off by a number here. But uh, the Sox are in that weird position right now with Giolito. I believe he's COVID-IL. Is that correct? Yeah. So I think that right now they're 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 even keeled, but you're gonna get Lucas Giolito back if Johnny Cueto is gonna be here for any stretch. You've got you've got to account for him on this roster at at some point. Lance Lynn is is not accounted for here as well down the stretch. How many? It's more, a little bit down the road, but yeah, yeah, it's a little bit down the road. How many more Vinny Velo starts are you gonna? Go well, and his his two his two prior to the Yankees one, I think that bought him some time. It did, it did buy him time. And Dallas Keuchel, that's the next one. 
he bought himself time. I think Dale so, Michael bought himself some time. I think what this is potentially could, could run into, and one of the things that we saw today during the game here with Michael Kopech that I thought was a little interesting was the velocity was down. He was sitting consistently 92, 93, which to me makes me think that he's hit a little bit of a dead arm period. So could they now be trying to potentially get creative here, maybe skipping him a start or using a six man to kind of space him out a little bit to save some of the bullets. We've talked about this going back to spring training, the fact that there's going to be an innings limit, whether it's 120, 130, somewhere around there. This could be the first time during the course of this season that they have to get creative here, space some things out with him, give him some additional rest. You're going to have to try and do that without pissing him off. It it is, it is what it is. Fuck your feelings. (laughs) Yeah. They're trying to win fucking baseball games here. You know, and yeah, I. But then I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it on on Twitter.com when Michael Kopech's missing a couple starts and he goes to the media and says, "I'm fine." And then everybody's going to go blaming Tony. You're not putting the best guys out on the field. All this nonsense. You're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. Hey, I just want to take. I think when yes, they have to get the quote from the guy. But the the guys, uh, competitors are always going to say stuff like that. I mean, some, maybe some guys will be a little bit more realistic and objective and own up to it. Like, okay, yeah. Like Carlos Rodon, I think last year was a good example. He was like, yeah, I was definitely fatigued. Um, he said that at one point. I know he wants to be out there, but just couldn't. I think Kopech's just going to have to swallow it and eat it if that's the case and just, you know, if, be, if be I humble have... about it and just let it, you know, okay, this will be better for me in the long term if I have to, you know, wait a little bit and then get back to doing what I have been shown I've been able to do because he's got like an under one ERA. If I can have the floor here for, for a second, because this actually leads in, into something that I was thinking about here, given what we saw from Tony LaRusso yesterday, pulling Dallas Keuchel after the 86 pitches in the five innings, him going to Kendall Graveman. That was one of the best managerial jobs and one of the best bullpen pitching staff jobs that he has done all season here. We got some of the quotes from James Fegan today at, at The Athletic saying that Keuchel was very upset about it, but LaRusa had the logic behind it and seeing that third time through the order, Keiko's been getting hammered. It didn't matter that he was at 86 pitches. He was looking at the effectiveness, understanding the trend line with Dallas Keiko, knowing this Yankees lineup, how explosive they have been throughout the entirety of the season here and in this series in particular. And Tony LaRusa did the right thing. He said, You're fucking done. You did your job. We got 15 outs from you. You put us in a position to win. I respect the fact that you're pissed off, that you're a competitor, that you want the ball. Same thing with Michael Kopech, talking about he wants to get stretched out, that he wants to be that horse. I want that for my starting pitchers. But at the same time, as a manager, you have to understand the situation. You have to know what's going on there. He did the right thing with Dallas Keuchel there yesterday. And I think he did the right thing on Monday with Michael Kopech because there were people complaining saying that he should have gone back out there for the seventh inning. And I've said it that night publicly. I said it privately to people. LaRusa did the right thing, taking him out of there after that sixth inning. So he's looking at things. He's watching with his eyes, seeing what is going on. He's approaching it correctly. And that's what I want to continue to see. Yeah, that was, I, I props uh, in order for Tony Larusa there. I thought that was great. Is uh, you know uh, Kenny Powers, you're fucking out. I'm fucking. You're fucking out. Graveman's fucking in. That's what he said. <laughs> Loved it, uh, and and I love I love when Steve can uh, go give my my one of my 
big Twitter follows some some praise. Maybe if he is tuned in, he just he he, he got propped up after after you just dressed him down a little bit on his lineup choices. So look, I I, I like Another. to think that I am objective when it comes to my criticism of Tony La Russa. There are certainly things that he does that I do not agree with, particularly the lineup construction. But the management of the pitching staff this year from the starters as well as the bullpen, there have been a couple of instances here and there that I have not agreed with that has kind of scratched my head a little bit and said, why are we going to this guy in this spot? But the usage and the management of this pitching staff is the least of the concerns that I have about him so far here in 2022. Love it. Johnny, let's get into a few other topics here. One thing that I'm I'm really curious from you boys, it's Sunday fun day. You guys got to sit down in some very nice seats yesterday for, for the ball game. There's the new lounge. There's a bunch of stuff going on there. I want to hear what it's like to sit in the scout seats at the, at the, at the rate these days. So uh, I don't know if I, I think Steve has frequented there a couple, two, three times before this. I don't know, Johnny, was this your first experience in, so, in those seats? So I had uh, actually back in 2018. So that was before they redid it, but I, I did have one game there. Um, but this is the first time seeing it all remodeled, uh, all the new stuff. I love a very nice bar area, restaurant area, um, where we went in pregame, they had a nice uh, buffet spread there. Um, that, that was super nice. The bar itself, uh, really big, had multiple bartenders. So you weren't waiting around for drinks or anything like that. So that was really good. And then you walk down like the tunnel a little bit and then come up those stairs that you can kind of see on the broadcast there. Um, and then we were a little bit back, um, on the, uh, third base side, a little bit of it, but, um, Great view from there. Uh, plenty of pictures up on the Socks on Tap uh, Twitter account there. And um, it was a great time. So once again, shout out to uh, Sockside Mike uh, for that um, and inviting us and uh, getting us uh, down there. Big balling on a Saturday night on the south side. It was a great time. Yeah, really was um, just tremendous experience. Have to give also a big shout out to the um, service staff that, that were managing uh, the scout seats. Tremendous job. Um, keeping us uh, hydrated on, on a pretty warm night oh, yeah. there. So doing a great job of that, keeping me fed, keeping the hot dogs coming, um, even mixing in some some new drinks that uh, I wouldn't necessarily have thought of. You know, How many hot dogs did Steve have? It seemed like every single time the guys like came by, because like they said, like a, it was like kind of like a satchel, and it like it was just like filled with you know like different food items in there. I feel like every time Steve like asked for like at least one, and sometimes two. <laughs> so that you know, I had that in addition. Can I get a can I get a count, Steve? What do you like? Maybe you don't recollect exact numbers, but like, were we talking? 10 10 plus dogs. I, I'm pretty certain that we were in double figure territory. Now, I will also say prior to the game when we did get in there when we were in the lounge, I might have partaken in a very nice well-seasoned pork chop, some uh lemon pepper chicken. So, I diversified my portfolio pretty well last night. Very nice. Very nice. How's the stomach feeling today? Is it you went and took a lift after the after the ball game. That's why we're running a little bit later tonight. Was that was the how did the lift go today after consuming copious amounts of foods and alcohols? It, it, uh, it wasn't look, it, it wasn't a top level performance here. Uh, truth be told, you know, I got in bed shortly before one o'clock this morning. I was up at 5 30, so didn't get a real good night's sleep here. So kind of dragging a, a little bit. Energy levels weren't particularly great. But listen, at the end of the day, you got to play like a champion. You know, sometimes you got to play 18 games in 17 days and you're going to feel a little bit tired and you just got to push through it. And that's what I'm committed to doing here. Yeah. Uh, 
I one I guess one critique, if I could have it, they did not have Coors Light when they brought around the trays of just like pre ones that they already had with like the lid on uh, that they asked if anybody wanted anything. And that was fine. I had a few like Miller Lights, but then when I'd go to the bathroom or uh, just going to make a booze run, I'd go down to the bar and get Coors Light. So um, Johnny, let's let's they, let's, they can rectify let's, that let's talk bit, about though. this one here because I know you and I we sampled uh, one of the mixed drinks and and it was a mixed drink that I wouldn't have necessarily thought of was the Jack Daniels Lemonade. Mixed yeah, that, that was interesting because usually I'd go like vodka lemonade would be like the standard you'd like think. But yeah, it was like a whiskey, uh, like lemonade, like a pink lemonade. Uh, and that definitely was tasty. I'd say I'd still probably prefer vodka, but it was good to try. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was it wasn't quite what I was expecting it to be. You know, they they came by that. I think that was the first inning when they came by with that one here. So obviously we're thinking to ourselves, hey, you know what? We got a we got a nice long night ahead of us here. Let's diversify the portfolio a little bit. Let's give this a, a test drive. And, you know, I'd, I'd have it again. Would I actively seek it out? Probably not. But hey, if it's there, yeah, I'll partake. Excellent stuff. I did uh, sit in the scout. They're not they didn't actually sit in the scout seats uh, last season. Um, you know, there was still the COVID restrictions and everything that was early on in the season. Steve, I think it was the first time I saw you last year. Uh, the scout seats had had made their way into the uh, the sections behind the scout seats, and they had you know they had the uh, the vodka lemonades. They were not doing the the whiskey lemonades. That wasn't a thing last year, so that's got to be new. Um, glad you guys found that, experienced it, tried it, and gave some thoughts on it here at uh, at Socks on Tap. I think that that's a excellent Sunday fun day topic. Uh, to talk about any other, you know, final thoughts on on the scout seat area? Would you, yeah, I, you know, would you say it's the best place to watch a baseball game? As, as, the, as the great Hawk Harrelson would say, you might tie it, but you can't beat it. Yeah, I, I mean, you can't beat the close up uh, of the view, and then you also get a great view because. So I, you know, I usually sit down third baseline. Whenever you're down a baseline, you can't make out any pitches in or out. So every time, like you know, if you feel like a guy's get squeezed and the pitch might have been like six inches off the plate, like. But so, so it was, it was good Johnny, to have I'm, that I'm, view. I'm, it was funny, though, because you could you could see it was like I think it was uh, Graveman got like squeezed on one of the fastball. It was probably you know, like three, four inches outside. So still obviously a ball to anyone watching from behind the plate. But then you heard booze from both both sides of us. But everyone in the home plate area was like, no, we saw that. That was a ball. <laughs> yeah. And so that's that's one of the reasons I rewatched the game last night when I got home. A number one, because it was on B number two, because who doesn't love watching the White Sox beat the Yankees? twice in one day and uh three because i was sitting on the right field line i had a really great view from from 320 and there were a couple of pitches that i really wanted to go back and watch and see like the, the booze that you're talking about were 100 real in fact i was sitting there going where the hell was that ball and i was having discussions with the wife on the car right home about like should they put the the like the the same k-zone up on the board and i'm like i don't know because you've got the umpires there i, I the, the crowd is already chewing people out on these it, things already it, it, i think it, it would just get a little too chaotic throw some fuel on the fire there <laughs> it, it, you would throw some fuel on the fire and i know plenty of games that i'm sitting at with you guys and my wife's watching at home and she's texting me she's like that was like way outside and he called that a strike i can't believe it so the tv view is is one thing being there in person is another Went back and rewatched it, and the the Graveman call was one of them that I looked at. There were a couple of pitches uh, from from Dallas Keuchel as well that I kind of just watched. You do not get the same experience when you're there sitting down down a foul line as you do on TV or sitting right behind home plate. So that's why I asked the question. I thought it was a good topic of discussion. I I just 
curious as to what you guys were seeing from that view. And yeah, uh, I, I'd I, love to hear it. You know, you know what a really cool thing that we saw there? Obviously, uh, you know, you just, it's a great view for anything there. But since Yohan Makata jacked that from the right side is home run. Um, it was a nice view since we were a little, like I said, a little bit off on the third base side. We weren't like directly right behind uh, the plate. Still enough to get that, but then the way that he launched that too and where it went out to uh, left, you know, pretty much center field, but just a little bit left of that uh, batter's eye there. That that was that was a really good view of that too. Love it. That, that home run that Moncada hit, I've got to say, nice. was eye nice. level with me. Just you could see that one leaving. And guys, Steve, you said it, ball go far, team go far, hit home runs, do that. From from both the, the right field side, from the left field side this year, just if you're in the park and you're watching these balls, a lot of them I, I, you're able to tell, like, this thing ain't leaving the yard this year. When Moncada connected with that baseball yesterday, guys, I knew that thing was gone. There was not a single question about it in my mind. It was the first no-doubter that I've actually watched this year. Uh, out of any is, White Sox player, which is weird. Uh, Sheets, she, she knew yeah. Sheets won. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of those is. Yeah. Which, yeah. which one? Was on, 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 on Monday, the low, the low line drive that it hit in the first yeah, inning, the three run over. There was no doubt about that one. I mean, it yeah. it was a fucking piss rod right you off guys the were bat. Both there for that one, weren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm saying in no person, doubter. the first one that I've seen was was the Moncada. But the the interesting thing for me, and what I always try to tell people is watch the outfielders. Their reaction will tell you a lot about whether a guy got it or not. And we're seeing outfielders being fooled on balls this year. That's that happened, that, that happened to what was that? That happened to Mancada. I want to say it was on you know Thursday or, or Friday in one of his at bats. He hit a ball to the warning track, and Hicks like kind of just had that look about himself. Like when he caught it, he's kind of like this um, should be gone. Yeah. Okay. And you you see. Um, there, there's that account on twatter.com that will show the, I think it's like MLB barrel alert and you'll see balls, same exit velocities, same launch angle. One of them's a home run. The other one's dying at the warning track. So again, this just leads all the more credence to the conspiracy theory that there are multiple different baseballs being used. Once again, oh, Rob Manfred, fuck you. Can we also yeah, talk about the helicopter that flew over like right before? I don't forget who was that bad. It might have been Grandal yesterday. Somebody hit a ball to the right field warning trick like right after a helicopter made two circles out there and the thing died. Are the Yankees paying off helicopters to like go fly oh, out this, there in right field conspiracy theory? I'm just Tinfoil hat time. Are the Yankees paying helicopters to go fly around Major League Baseball stadiums? This is like a new tactic because you know you get that that downwind from the helicopter. Ball flies out there, dies. It seems like that would be trip. more of an Astros move. It personally. would, but you know, I'm just. Hey, the Yankees I'm, did have that letter, right? Too. That's yeah, true. Yeah. That's yeah. They have more creative in their cheating. Yeah, fly a helicopter around the field. I don't know. Yeah, you know, my thoughts. I don't know if you guys saw it or noticed it. It was a helicopter, and then all of a sudden the ball dies. And I'm like, that's the only logical explanation that I have for it. Yeah, because I saw the tweet from MLB Bear Alert right after it. And I'm like, there's no way that shouldn't have left the yard. Yeah, there's been a few of those. And I think it goes with what Steve said. Uh, definitely multiple balls being used. And then you, uh, here, I, I fully believe Chris Bassett when he says, uh, you know, MLB has a problem with the balls and they just don't care. And I fully believe that. And that should not be an excuse because everybody's got to deal with it. Right. But if I'm, those guys I, are I'm noticing glad I'm it, not alone. There's Mike's in here. He, 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 he thinks about the chopper too. Let's pay yeah, attention to I, choppers uh, near major league uh, baseball stadiums. 
Yeah, chopper. Well, someone, someone needs to uh, make a Twitter account. Chopper alert. Yeah, chopper alert. Well, find him on flight yeah, well, aware and figure out what he was doing. Yeah, guys, we talked a lot about the Royals coming up here, but after that, I know that's a five game set, so we got you know plethora of games there. But we got to go and visit the Yankees, so we got to be on chopper alert there. See if there's any flying over Yankee Stadium. I mean, it's already a little league ballpark, but you know. Well, this yeah. is this is something that I'm really worried about, guys. And and you know, maybe there might be a, a Friday night garage watch session if if people are available. Uh, that's an open invite to both of you. Maybe we'll do a little content. I'm not sure yet. Not positive, but I'd like to get together and watch this Yankee series at some point with the two of yous. And maybe we'll get our guy Buzz in too, and we'll we'll talk about some of these things. But I'm really scared to have to face the Yankees again next week. And I think that there's a nice little budding rivalry between these two teams. This series overall had a couple of really interesting close moments. You got Joe Kelly buzzing off Stanton uh, last night. There was the play at third base between uh, the, the much hated Josh Donaldson and uh, Tim Anderson earlier within this series. Is there a chance for fireworks to explode between the White Sox and the yeah. Yankees over the next year or two? It would, yes, there is, Tony, but it would take a trigger. It's not just going to happen out of the blue because the White Sox need to, their fo main focus needs to be winning baseball games. But I guarantee Josh Donaldson pulls some kind of crap, even if it's you know, whatever the same level of that we did with Tim Anderson. Absolutely. The uh, benches will officially clear then because that was kind of like a half fast one on, uh, was that Friday night? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not really of the mindset that there's going to be much to that. I think if, if there is, maybe just given some of the history with Donaldson from his time with the Twins being the ass bag that he is, that would probably be the um, match to light the fuse, so to speak. So if it's going to be anything, it's going to be from him because he's just yeah. such a pud whack. There, there's really nobody else on that Yankee roster that is dislikable. Um, you're not going to see that from Judge. You're not going to see that from LeMahieu, from Stanton. I, I mean, it's pretty much it's, it's Josh Donaldson. Yeah, and on pitching, so you might get a few guys that may like ride up and in, but that's about it. That that's all I can see. It would definitely take a Josh Donaldson incident, I think, Tony. But uh, we ever talking like you'd said, you said a budding rivalry. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The Yankees are our daddy. Go and look back over the last couple of years. Basically, we had the Field of Dreams game we had last night, and that's jet. That's it. That's like we haven't done shit against them. You've got to you've got to find a way to beat the greatest teams if you want to be up there. Uh, this is this goes back to, you know, the, the the talk about the NBC White Sox, you know, Twitter account tweeting earlier on in the year, us waiting for the debate. I'd see Steve rolling his eyes. I'm I, I get up for these series. These are the ones that I want to talk about. This is the most interesting baseball. This is these games I kind of treat more like playoff games because they're against teams that you're potentially going to see in the playoffs. You would have to you had Vinny Duber them. over at CHGO saying that this wasn't a measuring stick series. That's the next topic I want to talk about. The, was this a measuring stick series? The, for the fact of the matter is this, the road to the American league pennant still goes through Houston until further notice. And the Yankees, I think are the team that is a step below them. Those two teams have paired up against each other in the postseason numerous times since 2015. So, you know, there's there's a big rivalry with those two right there. But again, if the Sox are going to get to that next level, those are two teams that you got to go through. It's just that simple. Yep. Measuring stick, no doubt. You saw where you stacked up against the best in the league right now.
Yep, that's kind of what I saw here too, guys. Uh, Johnny, I'll turn it back over to you if you've got you gotta, anything else. You got you to go through those. You got to go through those teams if you if you want to get to the World Series. Sure, like I said, it might be one thing. Like say the Dodgers are going to come here later in the year and just say you know because that West Division they're all you know going to be clamoring for that top spot out there, just like they were last year with the Giants. Um, so if it was just like that in like a three game series against the Dodgers, I wouldn't consider that one. Sure, you want to know and see where you stack up, but I wouldn't consider that as much of a measuring stick because you got to go through the Yankees or the Astros first before you'd even have to worry about national league team. And that's, that's where I'd stand on the kind of, yes, this was a measuring stick series. Yep. I mean, that's that pretty much sums it up right there. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, final thoughts here. Uh, last, uh, rumblings before we uh, get out of here, just at the hour mark. So. You're going to Kansas City. This team is not playing particularly good baseball. You got to go and you got to kick a weak sister when they're down. That's all this comes down to. The Royals are not a good baseball team. Period. Paragraph. If you fancy yourself a viable contender, you go in there and you find a way to win a series. Like I said, you got to win three. If you can get four, that's that's a, a good scenario that'll leave you feeling good going into Yankee Stadium next weekend. What's going to be a crazy environment. But you got to go in there. You got to take care of business against Kansas City. There's so much uncertainty, as we talked about at the top of this broadcast, with the pitching situation going into this series and surrounding Lucas Giolito. It doesn't matter. You have more talent than the Kansas City Royals. Go in there, kick them in the fucking nuts, and win a series. Final thoughts from me, guys. Uh, we've kind of rehashed some of this stuff. I, again, the Sox have had some ups this year. They've had a lot more downs. I'm looking forward to the, to the period where we can, you know, kind of appreciate those wins more. Um, and, you know, maybe the offense starts to find that identity. Uh, a couple of common themes that have continued to ride throughout this is, is like, one, I, I don't understand how this team isn't winning more ball games with the talent on the roster, with the weird random things that have happened with the stats. You look at the stats right now, they're not good, especially offensively. I'm hoping that this is kind of that rock bottom area and that there's only ways to go up because if rock bottom is around 500 for the white Sox after a month and a half of baseball, I think we're in a pretty decent spot because for as bad as, for as bad as some of this stuff is, guys, they've still maintained, you know, uh, only a three-game back in this division at this at this juncture. Steve, you said just a couple weeks ago this could be far worse and way out of hand if this is the storm that they have to weather, guys, to to continue to get somewhere. But again, I'm still left with that feeling of wanting more from this ball club. I want them to beat the good teams. I want them to be like I believe it was Liam Hendricks said, the most hated team in baseball. That's what I'm looking for. In order to be the most hated team, you got to do things that other people are going to hate, not the things that your fans are going to hate. That's where I'm at. Yeah, start developing the right habits. You have a very good chance to do that against a reeling Kansas City team. So what, they're like 12 and something. Yeah, uh, I believe 12 and 20. That's what Kansas City's at right now. So, um, and as we had mentioned earlier, we were talking about offensive struggles. Well, you saw Kansas City is one of the teams below the White Sox and on base, right? So don't give them the free passes. And then... I'd like to see an offensive explosion. I think a double-digit run game would do wonders for this team. 
And we've said, I've said it before. I fully believe it. I think hitting and confidence is contagious. So they can get some of that going. You could be on a good roll here. Um, take the four or five, like you said, three or five. I would like, I would like all five, like I said, but uh, I would, t- I would roll with either of those other outcomes there. You cannot lose the series there, but it's a good chance to, and you can also, you know, we've talked about uh, not taking care of division teams this is a good chance to reverse that trend right and then start doing that then maybe that puts you in line to do so against the others that you'll play um the Detroit's of the world the Cleveland's to see them obviously plenty more times we have the twins plenty coming up too so um it's it's go time now you're absolutely right as I always talk about it all to it all starts taking care of business in-house in the central division I love that Love that, Steve. Johnny, I'll turn it back to you. Yep. Go ahead and tell people where they can find us. Let's close this thing down. Yep. Prime opportunity to uh, take care of business in that central division, Steve. Um, listeners, thank you for tuning in. Uh, you can go and follow us on social media at Socks on Tap, at on Tap Sportsnet, and uh, subscribe to the YouTube page because that's where you can join the comments and uh, we'll feature them up here. Just like uh, Soxide Mike has got his final words in here. We're going to get ours. White Sox forever. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.